This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It's six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call, the 16th day of June 2021. What a beautiful day in the Northeast. Uh, it, I know it's going to be hot out in the uh, Southwest. They're talking about record-breaking temperatures out there, so uh, uh, stay cool if you can. But up here in the Northeast, what a beautiful day. Uh, temperatures going to be in the uh, mid to upper 70s today. No humidity. Oh, it's just uh, it's going to be a day where I'm going to want to spend the day outside. Um, all right. We got a lot to get to this morning. I want to start with some local news here in the state of Connecticut that's sports related. The uh, budget that was just passed by the state legislature um, is interesting. In this budget, there is a provision now, it hasn't been signed by the governor yet, but it, this is the proposed budget. If it happens, there are schools, high schools in the state of Connecticut, taxi towns in the state of Connecticut that are going to lose money. They are not going to get money from the state if they do not change their mascots. And I, yeah, I can hear people laughing. What are you talking about? If they do not change their mascots from Native Americans, uh, you know, imagery, to something much more uh, generic uh, and less offensive. There are currently 12 high schools still in the state of Connecticut that have names or logos that qualify. Um, And one of the biggest ones, believe it or not, Montville. The Montville Indians, right? That's where the Mohegan Sun Casino is, is in Montville, and they're still using the Indians, despite the fact, by the way, that the Mohegan Sun tribe has come out and said, hey, we find this, you know, offensive. We really wish you wouldn't do it. And and Montville still has it. Uh, and if they don't change it by 2023, if this budget is passed and signed, they will lose $1.5 million a year. Currently, and they're talking about what they're doing is they're taking away slot machine revenue. Well, Montville gets more than most other states or most other towns in the state because the Mohegan Tribe is in their town. So they'll lose $1.5 million in slot revenue. Um, other, other towns that are in danger, uh, how about, you know, Windsor, Torrington, North Haven, Killingly. Remember Killingly? They changed their name uh, from the Red Men to something else, and then they changed it back when the when the new election came and the Republicans took control. They changed it back to the Red Men. Well, if they continue to do that, they're going to lose $94,000 a year. And in a small town, $94,000 a year is a lot of money. Now, there's a part of me that says this is very heavy-handed by the state and, you know, it should be up to the towns to make the, the, the move. And, look, you should do it for the right reasons. You shouldn't do it because somebody's holding a gun to your head. But that's essentially what the state of Connecticut is doing. Uh, 
Uh, now, on the other hand, I get it. You know, it's something that even though, look, when these mascots were designed and the names were come up with, it, it wasn't, it was a different time. You know, and it's hard for old people like me to deal with some of this stuff because you're like, yeah, but, yeah, but. But at the same time, if Native Americans find it offensive, it's it's difficult to argue. As I've said, it'd be like having a team with a, uh, you know, and, and don't, don't get me, just be like calling a team, you know, uh, the Canton High School chinks, you know. Because you know, uh, you know, and and have a slanty-eyed mascot because we're going to make fun of Chinese people. It's the same thing. I know we don't think of it that way, but it would be like a team having a, a mascot, you know, using the N word. We, you know, we're not going to do that. You know, or if if and if Native Americans find it offensive, that's good enough. I, I get that it's heavy-handed, and I kind of think it is. However. Why these 12 towns have neglected to change this at this point is beyond me. I don't get it. So the state of Connecticut is giving them a year. If this happens, if it doesn't happen by the end of uh, the fiscal year 2022, uh, they will start losing revenue. And if and as, as we all know, you want something done, hit somebody in the wallet. Because as soon as you start hitting people in the wallet, it gets their attention, right? I, it, it's, you know, uh, and, and it's Connecticut's not the only state that's dealing with this. Every state in the union has issues like this. And in some places, you know, they're going to be more sympathetic to it than others. But, you know, again, I'm not about cancel culture. I'm not about trying to be politically correct. But at the end of the day, just like the Chinese don't like, you know, some of the words used to describe them. And, you know, we're not using the N-word and we're not going to call Italian people wops. You know, we're not going to, you know, we're not calling Irish people mix anymore. You know, that it's the same thing whether you want to believe it or not. So, uh, and and if you hit them in the wallet, if, it's, if that's what it's going to take to get these people to finally pay attention, like these idiots in Killingly that changed it and then changed it back. You know, if that's what it's going to take, then so be it. So be it. Okay, now to get back to uh, the national news. Oh, actually, one other one other quick thing here in the state of Connecticut. I almost forgot about this. Uh, you all saw the legislation uh, is coming down from the NCA. They are going to try to pass a rule saying that you know athletes can profit off their name, their image, their likeness. They can sign endorsement deals, et cetera, you know, make money off of social media, which I, again, we've talked about it ad nauseum. We don't need to go into it. Well, they've passed that law here in the state of Connecticut. The governor's going to sign it. And the University of Connecticut is actually going to give athletes a jump on it. While it doesn't have to uh, happen, I don't believe until uh, October, I think is when it will take effect. UConn has said their athletes can uh, begin signing endorsement deals, et cetera, as of July 1. So UConn, which, by the way, pushed the state to get this done because they understand that if we don't have some kind of legislation and other states do, it's going to hurt their recruiting efforts. Until the NCAA gets on board and does something nationally to encompass everybody, you know, right now we have, I think, 23 states that have passed legislation like this. Well, the other, you know, uh, 27 states that haven't passed the legislation are going to be in a recruiting nightmare because if a kid says, well, wait a minute, 
I can go to this state and make money, you know, by endorsing something, uh, by, you know, endorsing a bank or whatever, and I can't do that going to this state over here. Well, where are they going to go? They're going to go where they can make money and still keep their scholarship. And, you know, and so UConn understood that. So they're going to allow uh, student-athletes to do it as of uh, July 1, which I think is, is smart, very smart. All right, now, the big thing going on in uh, Major League Baseball, and again, I'm sure you all are tired of hearing me talk about it, but it's, you know, it is what it is, is the sticky substance on the baseballs. Well, the memo came down from Major League Baseball yesterday, and uh, we already knew kind of the outline of it, and it's essentially if you get caught, it's 10 days. But the caveat that they threw in, and this makes it even more, it makes it bigger than I thought. And I said, you know, it's 10 days with pay. And I always said, well, you know, I, I was said that it should be without pay, you know, as I said, hitting them in the wallet. But what makes this even more difficult for clubs is that if you get suspended for those 10 days, if you're a starting pitcher and you get suspended for 10 days, which is two turns around the rotation, your team cannot replace you on the active roster. So that would mean your team is one man short for 10 days. So it isn't just hurting the player, it's hurting the team, which is going to force the teams to police this as well. Because the teams aren't going to want to be in a position where they have a player basically screw them out of a starter or a reliever or whatever for 10 days. You know, that extra player. So that puts a little bit more teeth into it. I like to see that. Um, and they've said that at least once in every appearance, every pitcher will be checked by the umpires. Now, I don't know what this is going to look like. Is this going to be like, you know, hands out against the wall and spread them kind of thing? Like, you know, when the police pull you over and they're going to frisk you? Or how are they going to do this? Or is it going to be just, hey, let me check your hat. Let me check your, you know, how are they going to do this? But at least once in every uh, every appearance, every pitcher will be checked. And, which, by the way, you know, then leads to, is it going to slow the game down? Well, yes, it probably will, which is not what we need. But the other part of this is that, and I like this, they are not going to allow opposing managers to call for a pitcher to be checked if it's just an act of gamesmanship. For instance, let's say we'll throw Garrett Cole out there, pitcher for the New York Yankees, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Let's say he's playing the Red Sox, and he is absolutely shutting the Red Sox down. We're in the seventh inning, and Alex Cora says, you know, we got to do something. We got to try to rattle this guy. So let's throw this one out and he, you know, and ask the umpire to check him. We think he's cheating. Well, here's the thing. If the umpires have already checked him and there isn't any kind of evidence to suspect that th there is something funny going on, the umpires don't have to check him. And if they think Alex Cora is doing it just for gamesmanship, they can eject Alex Cora from the game. And by the way, I can hardly wait for the first one of those that happens, whether it's, you know, whoever it is, you know, if, uh, if, if, Somebody, some manager calls for a, a pitcher to be checked because he thinks he's cheating, and the umpires say, no, no, we're not going to check him, and by the way, you're gone. They are going to have a, a, a manager launch himself into orbit. <laughs> it's going to be a great explosion. 
So, so that's the basis of it. And then after, you know, if you get caught more than once, then the penalties go up. So, all right, here, so on the face of it, great. Then yesterday, news comes down that Tyler Glass now, who left his start the previous day with uh, some arm issues, has been diagnosed with a partially torn UCLA, UCL, UCLA, UCL, and a flexor strain. And he's on the DL now, and he is going to try to rehab it to avoid Tommy John surgery. But when you have a partial UCL tear, that almost always results in Tommy John surgery. Now, there are some cases where he might be able to avoid it, but chances are he's not. And so then he gives a press conference after the news and blames Major League Baseball for his injury. And this is where the firestorm started, and this is where it gets really weird. Here's what he said. I just threw 80-something innings, and then you just told me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. I have to change everything I've been doing the entire season, everything out the window. I had to start doing something completely new, and I'm telling you, I believe that's why I got hurt. Me throwing 100 and being 6'7 is why I got hurt, but that contributed to it. Um, He said, I had to... Uh, Switch my fastball grip, my curveball grip. I've thrown it the same way for however many years I've played baseball. And now I had to change it because they're telling me I can't use this sticky stuff, this mixture of sunscreen and rosin to get a grip on the ball. I had to go cold turkey, he said. Two starts ago. And he did. He said he didn't feel right. And then the next start comes out, he pitches four innings, he gets hurt. But it's Major League Baseball's fault. And he said, I've been doing it for as long as I've played baseball. So that means, ladies and gentlemen, that Tyler Glass now just admitted to us that he has been cheating the entire time he has been playing baseball in his life. Really? And Tyler Glass now, by the way, folks, stunk. Okay? Until he came to the Tampa Bay Rays, and by the way, if you don't think the Tampa Bay Rays are complicit in what's going on right now, you know, it's funny. Trevor Bauer always said things. And by the way, Trevor Bauer is not innocent in this whole thing either. But Trevor Bauer always said things about how it was funny, about how guys could all of a sudden get traded to Houston or get traded to Tampa and suddenly become better pitchers than they ever have been in their life. He said, huh, isn't that strange? Um, well, okay, but it also means that maybe those teams had figured out some special sauce, some special... Uh, you know, some special formula with that grip or with that sticky stuff for the grip, and that is what has led to the improvement. Tyler Glass now was not a Cy Young caliber pitcher when he started his career in Pittsburgh. Okay? That's not that so that's number one. You know, that's that's the first thing. 
So if that's the case, uh, you know, I don't buy it. If he's saying that I've been doing it this way my whole life, and now you're telling me I got to do something different, and that's why I got hurt. Now, baloney. That's just sour grapes, and that's just it's a coincidence that the injury happened at the same time that this came out, in my opinion. You know, when he pitched in Pittsburgh, folks, he had an ERA uh, of over five. One year, his ERA in 13, 13 starts was 7.69. So this was not some Cy Young pitcher. Let's get let's start that, all right? Um, so I have a problem with that. But here's the other part of this. The reason that guys are going to get hurt, and look, injuries happen, but it's not going to be because of the sticky stuff. You know what it's going to be? It's because guys have forgotten how to pitch. And this is one of the con- this is one of the consequences, folks, of analytics. You know how much I love the nerds and analytics, but this is one of the consequences, and it's an unintended consequence. But when the nerds tell you you got to throw the ball 102 miles an hour, and you got to you know you got to just blow people away, and it's got to be max effort, and you go what you go, and that's why wins don't matter anymore, and you know we don't care how deep into the game you go, just go out there and throw it as hard as you can, for as long as you can. That's why guys are getting hurt, you know. And Ken Rosenthal, in an article in the Athletic yesterday, put it right. And and I, it, he said, look, he said it's possible that maybe some pitchers will actually stay healthier if they adjust to not having this sticky stuff, and they throw with less effort to get better command instead of not worrying about it and just you know with the sticky stuff and then, you know, it allows you to torque the ball more and get more spin and, you know, get more velocity and more break on your ball. Well, maybe now instead of doing that, they'll learn how to pitch again, you know, and maybe the guys that get hurt are the guys that aren't going to try to make an adjustment and maybe take a little bit off and maybe worry more about hitting spots instead of trying to hit triple digits on the radar gun. You know, in fact, when they were doing the research on this, and when the memo came out yesterday, they said, they said, look, we did a study and that the use of these foreign substances in the last several years have contributed to the overall decline in control because pitchers are sacrificing control in favor of spin and velocity. You know, the number of batters hit by pitches has actually increased since the use of foreign substances got got bigger. It's increased. So everybody that wants to say, well, it's all about control, that's crap. They're hitting more people than they've ever hit. Come on. You know, we're not idiots. And look, baseball has been going on for 150 years. Years. So for Tyler Glass now saying, you know, uh, I just don't want this to happen to somebody else. I don't want a fastball to sail away and hit somebody in the face. You know, uh, hey, baseball has been around for 150 years. Yeah, there's been some instances where people get hit. It's going to happen. Just like there's football injuries where guys get paralyzed. There's there's catastrophic injuries in every sport. It's going to happen. But it's a rarity. But it's gotten worse 
because guys are chucking it at triple digits and they have no friggin' idea where it's going. So how about we just learn how to pitch again? And you can say, well, look, you old fat bastard sitting up there in Connecticut. You're not a Major League Baseball pitcher. You don't know what you're talking about. I will grant you <laughs> that I was never a Major League Baseball pitcher. But that doesn't mean that, I, that I'm an idiot. It stands to reason that if you pitch with control and you pitch under control, and you don't try to throw the ball through a brick wall every time that you get on the mound, that maybe, just maybe, you can save some wear and tear on that arm. And, by the way, you know, maybe the game will be better. <laughs> uh, you know, I, look, it's that simple. And, by the way, it levels the playing field. So now maybe... Maybe we can actually have baseball again. You know, and the batters will have a fighting chance to put the ball in play. And maybe, just maybe, we'll have fewer home runs. Why? Because the ball won't be coming in as fast. You know, because, by the way, you know, there's that old adage, the the harder it comes in, the farther it goes out. And that's true. And when contact is made, they're crushing the frick out of the ball. And... They supposedly have a dead ball this year, and we're seeing balls hit 450 feet on a regular basis. So let's get back to pitching. But good Lord, Tyler Glass now comes off as a crybaby. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear that Major League Baseball caused my injury. Knock it off. Guys get hurt. And maybe if you weren't trying to throw 100 miles an hour or 102 miles an hour, you know, and and you tried to pitch a little bit more like Greg Maddox, and I know I'm dating myself. Greg Maddox couldn't break a pane of glass, and yet this guy was in the Hall of Fame because he was a pitcher. Nolan Ryan, folks. Nolan Ryan threw the ball really hard, okay? But Nolan Ryan also had a really good curveball. You know, Nolan Ryan knew how to pitch. He knew how and when to throw the ball 100 miles an hour. You know, guys now, I mean, and it's it's not just Tyler Glass now. It's across baseball. Jesus. I mean, you know, Nate Evaldi's throwing a ball 100 miles an hour. It's going to cause injuries. So, I'm sorry, Tyler Glass, now that you got hurt. And it, look, I and I don't root for anybody to get hurt, okay? Uh, and, and people want to say, well, they shouldn't have done it in the middle of the season. They should have given us the offseason to adjust. Wait a minute. And as Ken Rosenthal said at the end of his article in The Athletic, it's this simple. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Pitchers couldn't bring themselves to stop cheating. So the league had little choice but to take action. It's that simple. And that's where we'll end that discussion. And I'm going to uh, take a break so that my blood pressure will come back down. And uh, we'll be back to talk about the Red Sox game in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour 
Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. I feel a little better now. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to take a minute to uh, say thank you to those of you that uh, have been downloading our podcast. Um, we have a, a podcast that's available on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, uh, Amazon. It's everywhere that uh, you can get a podcast. And uh, we we have it uh, that's a replay, basically, of our morning show. And uh, this month, the numbers have really increased. I mean, look, a... <laughs> You know, it's not like uh, I have a million people listening to it, but but uh, we've jumped up. We've had uh, several hundred people download the podcast already here in the month of June. So uh, the word is spreading, and I appreciate those of you that are uh, are talking it up, and uh, and I hope you will uh, continue to listen. Uh, let's get to uh, the Red Sox game from last night. It was not a thing of beauty. Um, they won the game, which is great. Uh, final was 10 to 8 it looked like it was going to be an absolute blowout and uh the Atlanta Braves managed to tie it up late and then Alex Verdugo comes through uh with a three-run home run off of Chris Martin in the eighth inning and by the way I'm watching the game and off the bat I did not think that ball was going out I was the probably I mean I was shocked matter of fact Dave O'Brien who was making the call sounded shocked when the ball actually did go out it was amazing um, now the one Devers hit Devers hit a home run in the first inning, um, that you knew was going out. Rafi Devers was unbelievable. Again, three more hits, a homer and a double. Uh, this guy is just uh, four runs batted in. He's got the batting average up to 283. Now Alex Verdugo, uh, with that home run last night, has the average at 291. Do you realize that right now Alex Verdugo has a higher batting average, more home runs, and more runs batted in than Mookie Betts, the guy that he was essentially traded for. Think about that for a minute. Just I'll just leave it there. I'm not going to make any bold statements, but that was one of those things I saw it this morning. I went, hmm, how about that? Uh, Xander Bogarts with a homer yesterday. Uh, it was so good for the Red Sox yesterday that J.D. Martinez had a triple, a stand-up triple. Piano on his back and everything. He had a triple. So you knew it was going to go the Red Sox way. Um, and, you know, Atlanta continues to struggle. Four games under five hundred now. The concerning thing with yesterday, another bad start for Eduardo Rodriguez. Now, he looked great in the first two innings. He struck out five guys in the first two innings. And you look at his line and say, well, he struck out eight. Yeah, but he gave up four runs and six hits in four innings. He was absolutely out of gas in the fourth inning. Uh, they scored three runs off him in the fourth, and Alex Cora had no choice. He had to get him out of there. He had nothing. You know, uh, what did he throw? He threw 80 pitches, and he had nothing left in the tank. His ERA is now up to 6.21. His, I mean, look, his last five starts have just been hideous. And, and I don't know what the answer is. I, I still, and I said this the other day, and I'm going to stand by it, I almost feel like they need to give the guy, they need to skip him a time in the rotation. The problem is, is that with all the injuries they've had down in the minor leagues, they don't have anybody to go to. I mean, I suppose if you wanted to, you could give Garrett Whitlock a a spot start, but they're trying to be careful with Whitlock. I mean, they're you know he pitched last night again and he's been great his ERA is under two in like 32 innings out of the bullpen but he's still coming back from Tommy John surgery so they don't want to they don't want to push him 
Tanner Houck is going to make a start for Worcester today. He's coming off of an injury. He's going to supposed to pitch three innings um, in Worcester. But, you know, all the guys that they thought would be their depth, guys like uh, Siebold and Houck, um, and there's one of the guys, I can't remember uh, the name off the top of my head, but they've got three guys in the minors. They thought that they were going to be their uh, safety net, and they don't have them because they all got hurt. Chris Sale is still probably six weeks away, although he threw a bullpen, uh, an up-and-down bullpen in Worcester yesterday, and it supposedly looked good again, but he's still six weeks away, and even when he comes back, we don't know what he's going to give us. But I still think they need to skip Eddie in the rotation. I just don't know how they're going to do it. Because they're, he's not right. You know, he, he looked great for two innings. Right now, he looks like a guy that would be a great back end of the bullpen guy instead of a starter. That's the problem. And I still believe it's because of missing the entire year with the coronavirus last year and then the myocarditis, the heart inflammation. I, I believe it's still a product of that. And he's still not right. Whether, you know, and he says he feels okay, but he's just not, he doesn't look good. Red Sox improved to 19-0 and when scoring seven runs or more. But, by the way, just about every team in Major League Baseball should be have a record like that. If you score seven runs and you lose, oof, it's not good. Ask the Braves. They scored eight last night and lost. Um, Matt Barnes got the save last night. He gave up a run. But even that, I you know, I kind of discount that a little bit. He gave up a run on a little uh, bleeder up the third baseline. It could have been the third out if the play is made, but it was a tough play. It goes down as a base hit, but he still struck out a couple. He picks up his 15th save. Adam Adovino with another scoreless inning. Uh, Salamora got the uh, uh, the win uh, because he pitched a scoreless seventh. Um, so the bullpen did their job yesterday, no question. And Whitlock ended up giving up three runs, but only one of them was earned because Kike Hernandez uh, made an error in the uh, sixth inning that led to three Atlanta runs. But, uh, look, Alex Cora called it an ugly win, but it's a win, and you will take that all day long. Uh, The brief two-game series concludes tonight. It'll be Garrett Richards who's looking to bounce back off of two subpar performances uh, against Ian Anderson, a young kid for the Braves, 4-3, a 3-2-6 ERA. Uh, So the Red Sox will have their hands full in that one, especially uh, if Richards continues his – subpar performances where he's trying to be Harry Houdini and get out of trouble. Now, the Red Sox do pick up a game yesterday on Tampa. Uh, Tampa lost to the Chicago White Sox after beating them the night before. Uh, Dallas Keuchel with a great start yesterday for Chicago. Goes seven shutout innings, allowed just four hits. Picked up his sixth win of the season. Uh, Chicago wins 3 nothing. Shane McClanahan got the start for Tampa. That wasn't bad. But uh, just did the offense could get absolutely nothing going. Aaron Bummer pitched the scoreless eighth, and then Liam Hendricks uh, picked up his 18th save of the season despite giving up a couple of hits uh, in the ninth inning. So, I mean, Tampa only had four hits going into the uh, ninth. They got two off of Hendricks, but they couldn't uh, muster a run. So the Red Sox now just two games back uh, in the American League East. Uh, the Yankees are eight back, and uh the Toronto Blue Jays are eight and a half back, and that's because the Yankees came back to beat the Blue Jays yesterday, six to five, a uh, uh, pinch hit double by Clint Frazier in the eighth inning was the difference in this one. It scored Tyler Wade from uh, second base, 
And uh, the Yankees win it. Aroldis Chapman picked up his 13th save of the season. Zach Britton made uh, his first appearance since coming off the DL. Walked a couple of guys in the eighth, but got out of it. Uh, Hinjin Ryu walked a, a season-high four in six innings for Toronto. That certainly did not uh, help his cause at all. Uh, but the loss goes to uh, Tim Meza, who ended up giving up that uh, double to Clint Frazier. The Yankees hit uh, three solo home runs in this one, including the ninth by Gary Sanchez and uh, the first by uh, Chris Gittens, who is playing first base in place of the injured uh, Luke Voigt. So uh, good for him. He gets his first. You know, the funny part was is that uh, Brett Gardner called this one. I guess he walked by uh, Aaron Boone just before Gittens got to the plate and said, uh, hey, he's going deep on this one. He said, uh, he said he's had some great at-bats. He said he's taking this one. Uh, he's going deep. And he did. So good for him. Uh, the series continues tonight. Garrett Cole, uh, he of the 7-3 and three record, 2-3-1 ERA, will take on Ross Stripling. Now, interesting, Cole was the guy who essentially admitted to cheating with these substances um, after he had gotten bombed in a couple of starts after news came down. But then his last time out, and you would think that it was without the substances, knowing that MLB was going to be looking for it, pitched well. Uh, so let's find out tonight with the official word coming down that uh, MLB's cracking down on it. Let's see how he looks tonight against the Toronto Blue Jays. By the way, uh, New York is going to open Yankee Stadium to full capacity as of Friday. So the Yankees have designated Friday, as they're calling it reopening day. So they will be taking on the Oakland Athletics on Friday in front of potentially a full house. I don't know if it will be because, look, Fenway Park has been open uh, to a full house and Boston has yet to have a full house. For, you know, In the uh, home games, I think they were averaging mm, 23, 24,000, maybe 25,000. It holds 37 if you pack everybody in there. So, you know, I think that, it's nice that they're opening back up. It's just going to be, I think it's going to take a while in some places for people to feel comfortable. But uh, as of Friday, Yankee Stadium and City Field can have full capacity. Uh, and speaking of City Field, uh, the Mets, with a victory yesterday, they beat the Chicago Cubs 3-2. to two. For the Mets, it is uh, their second straight win over the Cubs. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10. They are now... Nine games over 500. Their advantage in the NL East has swelled to five over Philly, who lost again to the Dodgers yesterday. And, of course, the Braves lose to the Red Sox, so they're six and a half back. So all of a sudden, the Mets are uh, opening up some distance in the Eastern Division. Uh, Taiwan Walker, who uh, signed a, a three-year contract for $23 million with the Mets as a free agent, a career-high 12 strikeouts yesterday in seven innings. Didn't walk anybody. Allowed just five hits. He uh, lowered his ERA to 2.12, and he is now 6-1 and one on the season. Seth Lugo, uh, who, of course, is uh, still coming off of that injury that forced him to miss a good part of the, uh, uh, the months of April and May, uh, two innings in relief yesterday, picked up his first save of the season, uh, looked pretty good. Alec Mills got the start for the Cubs, didn't look very good. Uh, Pete Alonso, uh, three runs batted in for the Mets in this one, and that was really all they needed. 
as uh, they take care of the Cubs. The Cubs fall to 38-29 and 29 and still in a tie with the Milwaukee Brewers uh, atop the NL Central. Both those teams uh, have lost two in a row. It is 45 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. We're back in a minute to wrap things up. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Wednesday morning. You know, I mentioned that uh, they're talking about reopening day at, at Yankee Stadium on uh, Friday. Well, uh, Los Angeles also opened up uh, its stadium yesterday to a full-capacity crowd. Uh, matter of fact, all across the uh, California, everybody is opening up now. The governor uh, has finally uh, given that okay. And uh, Dodger fans did come out yesterday in strength. Over 52,000 people at Dodger Stadium yesterday. And they saw Mookie Betts uh, hit a go-ahead homer in the seventh inning. And the Dodgers beat the Phillies for the second straight night. Uh, this one by a final of 5-3. to three. Uh, Julio Urias, who led the National League in wins, he came in with a 9-2 and two record, did not factor in the decision uh, he actually trailed uh, when he left the game after five and two-thirds. Joe Kelly, uh, former Red Sox reliever, ends up getting the win in relief. Blake Trinan picked up his third save of the season for the Dodgers in this one. Zach Eflin got the start for the Phillies. Uh, he uh, did not factor in the decision either. Ranger Suarez was the guy that gave up the home run to Mookie Betts. And uh, so Mookie now uh, has the batting average up to two fifty-eight. He's Picked it up. He was only hitting about 250 going into June, which, by the way, was the lowest batting average of his career after the first two months. But he has uh, been picking it up lately. Uh, and uh, three of his eight home runs, by the way, have come in the last uh, six games. So it looks like he might be starting to heat up a little bit. Uh, bad news for the Phillies in this one. Bryce Harper had to leave the game in the fourth inning. Uh, with some uh, lower back stiffness after he took a uh, an awkward swing at the plate. Man, I tell you what, uh, Bryce Harper is one of those guys that, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be a Hall of Famer or not. You know, you, you look at his numbers in his career. I mean, so much was expected of this guy. And, you know, he, he may be a Hall of Famer when push comes to shove, but I don't know right now. He, he, I guess he'd be a Hall of Very Good. He's, you know, a 276 career hitter. He's got, what, 200 and, you know, 50-ish home runs after, what, uh, nine or ten seasons. This is a guy that has had some issues staying healthy at times. It's a guy that has had issues being consistent at other times. You know, uh, the Yankees, or the Yankees, the Phillies signed him to an enormous contract. And I'm not sure when you look at him now whether he is able is is ever going to live up to that. I mean, he's, look, he's only 28 years old. You know, we I we have to remember that he was so young when he started. He was what 18 or 19 years old when he made his debut. It seems like he should be 40 years old now. He's been around for so long, but he is a guy that uh, you know. I just. You know, you just wonder now. You, and, and I'm sure Philly management is looking at it going, man, was was this the best uh, was this the best investment we ever made? Well, right now you have to say the answer is no. Uh, the two teams will uh, conclude their series tonight. Uh, Clayton Kershaw will take the mound 
for the Dodgers, 8-5 and five with a 3-3-9 ERA. The Phillies will have their best chance. Their best pitcher hits the mound tonight. Zach Wheeler uh, with that 2-2-9 ERA, uh, uh, which is ninth best. By the way, how about that? Uh, 2-2-9 ERA is the ninth best in the National League. Wow. Uh, and again, that just goes to show you how dominant pitching has been this year. Uh, but uh, he will take them out for the Phillies tonight. So if they're going to manage to salvage one, this is their best chance. But when you see Clayton Kershaw on the other side, um, well, maybe not. The Arizona Diamondbacks look like they were about to break that uh, long road losing streak yesterday. The Diamondbacks led 7 to nothing going into the bottom of the second inning. They still led it 8-3. to three going into the bottom of the sixth inning. Well, the Diamondbacks dropped their 21st straight road game because the Giants came all the way back to beat them, scoring two in the sixth and then four in the eighth on a grand slam home run, the first of his career by Mike Yastrzemski. Hit it over everything in right field in the McCovey Cove and the Diamondbacks now have lost 21 straight. They have lost 12 in a row overall, 21 straight on the road. And I think I mentioned yesterday that that record was held by the 65 Mets. It wasn't the 65 Mets. It was the 63 Mets. Uh, and, the, and the 1943 Philadelphia A's also lost uh, 22 in a row. So uh, they will have a chance to break that record uh, when they play tonight and it'll be Anthony DeScalfani who has been very very good the former Cincinnati Red is 6 and 2 with a 309 he will take the hill for San Francisco tonight Merrill Kelly uh, who has struggled he's 2 and 6 and an ERA over 5 uh, he will make his 6th career start against the Giants tonight now his numbers aren't very good but over his last 4 starts on the road Kerry, uh, Kelly has held opponents to just 235 batting so maybe just maybe uh, they can break that tonight. And I'll tell you what, there's another team that is uh, scaring that record a little bit, that road losing record a little bit too. The Orioles lost last night. The Indians beat them 7-2. to And now the Orioles have lost 17 in a row on the road. You know, I mean, good Lord. Uh, they lose yesterday. Matt Harvey <laughs> from Connecticut pitched again last night and uh, lost his career-high seventh straight game. Gave up six runs, five of them earned, in three and a third innings. Just brutal. Uh, and you wonder, and again, the Orioles need people to, to, to eat up innings. The Orioles are going nowhere. They stink. They're 22 games under five hundred. but, man, Matt Harvey just gets his brains beat in every time he pitches. Uh, Aaron Savali will pitch. Tonight, another Connecticut guy will pitch for the Indians tonight. He's 9-2, and two, uh, and he will go against Keegan Aiken of the Baltimore Orioles uh, as the Orioles look to uh, to break their 17-game road losing streak. Uh, the Padres lost again last night. Man, I'll tell you what, are they in a nosedive? Uh, they lost their second straight, and they have lost eight of the last ten, now just seven games over five hundred. Uh, Ryan McMahon last night, a homer and a triple, four runs batted in. And uh, they beat the Padres 8-4. to Fernando Tastich Jr. hit his 20th home run of the season. But uh, uh, as I said, they've lost 8 of 10 and uh, 11 of their last 15. Um, and uh, 
they now are five back of the San Francisco Giants. The Dodgers still trailing the Giants uh, by a game. And uh, it was uh, Dusty Baker's birthday yesterday. Remember I mentioned that? Well, uh, Jose Altuve gave Dusty Baker a very nice birthday present. He had a grand slam in the 10th inning. And uh, Houston comes back to beat the Texas Rangers 6-3. to Houston, uh, Texas had actually scored a run in the top of the 10th to take the lead. And then Altuve takes care of business in the bottom. And uh, Houston ends up giving uh, Dusty Baker uh, the victory. The Reds, by the way, they beat the Brewers yesterday 2-1. to one. They scored two runs in the 10th inning without a hit. That's another one of those uh, weird things that we see because of starting a runner on second base to start the inning, which is still, uh, of all the new rules that they've put in the last couple of years, that's the one I think I hate the most. You know, uh, well, I hate the seven-inning doubleheaders too, but I think the the runner on second base uh, might be the one that I uh, that I hate the most. Well, that's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. It's time to go out and enjoy this beautiful weather outside. I hope you can do it where you are. I hope you're not in the southwest where it's supposed to be ridiculously hot. Uh, but either way, we'll see you tomorrow. We're going to leave you this morning with some music from John Fogarty. It's called Don't You Wish It Was True. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country 94.1.